I come up here and sit down. This is the song. You know, a lot of us have had a lot of things with the COVID, and I know everybody keeps talking about that, but it has been a rough couple of years for the church. I heard somebody talking the other day about their church. It's just so sad what we have allowed COVID to do to our churches. It's not... It's not God that it, that we need to blame for the virus. It's our fault for letting this happen to our church. God takes care of us. And and this is just the way the devil had of moving in. And But then I got to thinking a lot of us have had deaths in the last year. And, and you know, it's just been kind of, and I don't mean to be a downer, but I mean, it's just been kind of and problems, things that's happened. But the thing that is the best part about this is that as a Christian we have such peace and and with everything that's going on I know Darlene and Kenny worry about Noah going to be sent oh maybe have to go if a war starts or whatever it's just so much going on but I know what God does for me he brings such peace in my heart I know what people do that don't have Jesus because Every day when I get up, I ask God to help me through the day. And he gives you such peace. You go to sleep at night, it's peace. What do you do without him? And that's what this song is, is wonderful peace. from the 
I think we ought to. I think we ought to sing. Let me find it right here. I, I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. You get peace. You get peace from talking to Him. See, you get peace from reading His Word. Of course, His Word speaks to us. You know, I've, years ago I, I, I learned a truth, and I'm learning it more every day. And that is that we, uh, in my prayer time, I'm always doing the talking. I'm, I'm telling him this, I'm telling him this, and I'm asking this, and I'm doing this. And I found out there's times just say a word or two and be quiet. <laughs> Let the Lord speak to you. And when you get in this book, when you get in the Word of God, that Word will just uh, speak to you. That's, how, that's what He does. Now, I don't know what page that is. 113. 113 there in the hymn books. Let's stand together and sing this. Now you're going to have to do the singing. I've, I've got uh, old allergies today that uh, I'm glad, glad, to have a, glad to have sinuses to have problems with. Amen. Hallelujah. I must tell Jesus all of my trials.
Josh is coming to speak to us uh, this morning, and he and I are going to begin a new series, the Lord willing, and he'll be telling you more about that, and while he's uh, getting ready to come to the pulpit uh, this morning, let me remind you that your donation records, your donation receipts are available, Brother Roy, none has those, so go by and see him if you haven't gotten them already, if he hasn't found you, you find him because we have those records ready for you. We appreciate the hard work. Sister Shelby, keep Granville in your prayers, still very sick. And Sister Jane Grant's in the hospital. Let's keep praying for Jane and, and Doris, Jesse, and Charles Phillips, and just so many of our good folk that uh, are suffering, some at home, others in the hospital. Let's pray the Lord will just touch them and lift them up. And I'm expecting a miracle. Amen. I love my son, and I expect God to do that work. Brother Josh, come on. Amen. Yeah, I had to slip out because uh, we were having some technical issues with their live stream. We're not able to have it on live stream today, but we'll have the audio version on our website a little bit later on, so you can tell uh, some folks about that. Uh, just, I think the devil fights, you know, and he uh, every way that he can. So I just want to have a word of prayer, sort of to settle my own spirit, you know, back there working on the computers and things like that. So before I preach, I want to pray first. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for these songs that have reminded us of how great you are and how wonderful you are and that we can come to you uh, with anything that's on our hearts. And I know that uh, greater is he that's in us and he that's in this world. We know that uh, Satan tries to oppose your word and your work going forth. And uh, we just know that you're going to get the victory. I think about what we studied in Sunday school with the life of Joseph, uh, that there are times in his life he didn't know uh, what to do or where to go, and he was faced with great injustice and so much more that was out of his control. And yet you delivered and brought a great victory uh, to him and through him. And Lord, we expect you to do great and mighty things as we uh, begin this new series today and as we launch into this a new study on the life of Christ and the miracles that He performed. God, I know that You are greater than anything that we face, any problem that we face. 
And we're just excited to see what you have in store for us through your word as we study the miracles through the life of Jesus Christ over the next several weeks and months. And we are grateful to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be in Hebrews chapter 2 this morning. Hebrews chapter 2. And just read two verses. It gives us some insight into the purpose of miracles. And while you're turning to Hebrews chapter 2, we are going to be starting a new series looking at each of the miracles that Jesus performed during His earthly ministry. Uh, Some 35 different miracles that Jesus performed. And we're going to see so many valuable lessons as we go through these miracles. And we're going to talk some today about some of those lessons that we can learn But before we jump right into that, I thought it would be good today to just do an introductory message on uh, the possibility of miracles and and just understanding what is a miracle. You know, that word is thrown around, you know, my pizza came on time. It's a miracle. You know, is that really a miracle from God? Well, we're going to talk some about that today. Maybe it is in, in certain situations, in certain instances. But what is a miracle? Uh, why should I care about miracles? What, what difference does it make? I've never seen a miracle in my life. Why are you going to spend so many weeks talking about miracles? How does God use miracles in our world today? And how does He use them in Scripture? And uh, that's the direction that we're going to go this morning, looking to answer these basic questions about miracles. And so the first one I said is, are miracles possible? Can we have miracles today? And basically it boils down to this. If God exists, then miracles are possible. If God does not exist, then of course there aren't going to be miracles. But the only way to disprove miracles is to disprove the existence of God. To say it another way, if there is a God who can act, then there can be acts of God. And He can work and He can move where we are. And so the only way to disprove miracles is to disprove the existence of God. Now, we can look at a couple different lines of reasoning because I know so many people even question that. Well, how do we know God exists? And they begin questioning with the evil that we see in the world around us and the hurt and the pain and the suffering. And this message isn't on the issue of evil. And that's another message in another series really But I believe we've got some solid answers for that. But right now, right here, I want us just to explore how do we know that God exists? One of the ways that we know that is the fact that this world, the universe that we live in, had to have a beginning. It all goes back to a beginning. Uh, This water bottle that i got right here is a good illustration of this. It's a little bit cold, but it's not as cold as it was if I was to pull it straight out of the refrigerator keeps it about 40 degrees, and now it's warmed up. And eventually, if I come back tomorrow, it's going to be even warmer. It's going to acclimate with this room temperature that we have set in here. The same thing's true with a cup of hot coffee, isn't it? You know, I like to pour my coffee and let it sit a few minutes and cool down a little bit. Some people like to drink it when it's boiling hot and burn their throat. I can't do that. I like to let it cool off a little bit. But that energy is escaping. The the usable energy that keeps this cold is escaping. It's leaving this bottle. It's leaving that cup of hot coffee so that it cools off a little bit in the morning. 
And so that energy is leaving. And our world is run by that same kind of energy. And the amount of usable energy that we have in this universe is leaving. It's like putting gas in a car. You know, that's the one main car problem that I have is that the gas meter, you know, that just keeps going down every time. Why is that happening? I said that to a mechanic one time. You know, he was asking me, is the car running okay? I said, I don't know, something with this gas gauge. It keeps going down all the time. You know, what's going on with that? But uh, the amount of energy is running out of my vehicle. It's running out of this bottle of water. And if the universe had always existed, then we would have ran out of energy a long, long, long time ago and none of us would be here today. And scientists now look and see that there had to be a beginning. And if there was a beginning, there had to be a beginner. There had to be someone who got it going. They say, well, it was just random chemicals bouncing together and it just so happened that it bounced together in the right way. But if that's true, you know, we ask the question, well, where did that come from? Where did those chemicals come from? And they say, oh, come on, you know, you keep asking that question, but you have to answer that question. Nothing comes from nothing. Nothing ever could. Isn't that from some movie? uh, What's the name of that movie anyways? Uh, Yeah, the song of music, the sound of music, something like nothing comes from nothing, nothing ever could. And so we see that that's true. There had to be a beginning. And there had to be a beginner, someone to get it going. Now people today are saying things like, well, it was just a a race of aliens and they came and established planet Earth and inhabited it, then they went back to their country. But where did they come from? You know, you're still putting the question off. You still have got to answer, well, they had to come from somewhere. They had to have a beginning themselves. And so it just becomes this infinite regress, just going back, going back, going back. You have to stop somewhere There had to be a beginning. There has to be a beginner. Not only the beginning points to the existence of God, but also the design that we see in life and in the universe. And I don't have time to talk all about this today. Again, this is another series in and of itself. And there are some great movies and films that have been put together that show uh, all the design inherent in planet Earth There are so many factors for life to exist on planet Earth like it does. We have to be the right distance from the sun. We have to be the right distance from our moon. The electromagnetic field that we have. The gravitational forces that we have are fine-tuned for life to exist as it does. We have to have the right amount of water. The water has to be the right consistency. And we can't have too much or too little and the plants and the animals and everything works together cohesively for life to exist on planet Earth like it does. We haven't even talked about the human body and all the design that we have within our human body. We haven't even mentioned even down on the microscopic cellular level, there is fine-tuning and great design even in your individual cells going through your body right now. And God has formed us and knit us together in such a beautiful way and that we can see that creation points to a Creator. Uh, The beginning points to a beginner. Design points to a designer. And we see that these show, I believe that creation out of nothing is the greatest miracle that has ever occurred. And so, these other miracles that we're going to discuss are much easier than that one if we can say it was hard for God, which it wasn't. He just spoke and 
boom, it came into being as Scripture tells us in Genesis chapter number 1. So if God exists, then miracles are possible. I believe these truths point to the existence of God, which points to the possibility of miracles. And we can look back at creation and see God has already done some powerful miracles in allowing us to uh, exist even at all. And so that leads to that second question. Well, what then is a miracle? Uh, How do you categorize a miracle? How do you qualify something as being truly miraculous? It's a supernatural event that only God can do. That is a definition of a miracle. A supernatural event that only God can do. A miracle is not the same thing as providence. In Sunday school, we're studying the life of Joseph. But you can also look at the book of Esther. And you see God working through situations. God working through the natural channels to bring Joseph into the place of prominence, to bring Esther where she needed to be. God saved His people through Joseph, through Esther, through His providence, through natural means. But with Jesus and His supernatural resurrection, that's a whole other story. God is saving all of us through that miraculous resurrection. Uh, None of us can raise ourselves from the dead. Only God can do that. That's what makes the resurrection of Jesus a great miracle for our salvation. Only He can do those miracles. A miracle is not the same thing as a magic trick. It's not a sleight of hand. It's not just sort of bending and tricking and deceiving. No, that's not a miracle. Nor is a miracle a satanic sign. I don't believe Satan can do supernatural things. You know, a lot of times we put Satan on the level with God like these two equals that are fighting back and forth, but that's not it at all. God is far greater, far more powerful than Satan will ever be. Now, Satan, I believe, is a super scientist and a master magician. He knows how to manipulate people. He knows how to deceive us. He knows how to trick us. You know, sometimes you watch some of these magicians on TV and you're staring... And now that we have stuff like Netflix, you can hit pause and rewind and you're trying to zoom in on what exactly are they doing? I know they're hiding something somewhere. Somehow they've got me deceived. Somehow they've got me tricked. I'm trying to figure it out. Satan is a super scientist and a master magician. He knows how to manipulate things to make it look like it's a miracle has occurred. That's why you look at the book of Exodus with Moses and the children of Israel. God sent Moses to Pharaoh and said, throw your your staff down and it'll become a serpent. It'll become a snake. And that'll be a sign to Pharaoh to let you go. But his magicians could do a similar kind of trick. And they could mirror Moses for the first couple of the ten plagues. But after that, they came to Pharaoh and said, look, we can't do this. We can't do anything even close to this. Magic stopped short. I believe they were operating under, under demonic influence in Pharaoh's court, even Satan couldn't duplicate uh, what was happening. Uh, They could do some magic tricks, they could do sleight of hand, but they could not duplicate the supernatural power of Almighty God. Satan can offer imitations and cheap imitations at that, but he is supernormal. He is not supernatural. Only God can do the supernatural. So let's not get into thinking that God and Satan are equals that are just fighting back and forth with each other. Nothing like that whatsoever. 
So why should we care about miracles? What's so important about miracles that we're studying them? None of us would be here without the miracle of creation. Life would not exist if it wasn't for miracles, if it wasn't for God acting in supernatural ways to bring us into being. And also, we would have no Bible without miracles. No Scripture, no Word of God without miracles. Because we believe that this is the Word of God that He has given to us. He has revealed Himself to us in this way. We'd have no Savior without miracles. No salvation without miracles. I've already talked about the supernatural resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That is what purchased our salvation along with His death on the cross. And without that, there'd be no hope for us whatsoever. Without that miraculous resurrection from the dead, we would have no salvation. Jesus would not be the Savior He'd just be another dead religious leader. And so, how does God use miracles? And that ties in with what we just shared. And I had you turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And this reveals the heart of how God uses miracles. Verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard it. Now think about this verse for just a second before we go on to verse 4. He's telling the people, the weight of responsibility is on us. You know, we cannot ignore this. How can we escape? How can we dodge the judgment of God if we neglect so great salvation? If we say, okay, this all sounds well and good, but I don't agree with it or I... I'll just put it off for another day. I'm not going to believe it today. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, with diverse miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, according to His own will, And so we see that God uses signs and wonders and miracles to confirm His message. Now there are many purposes for miracles, and part of the study that we're going to be doing in the individual miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ will see different reasons, different purposes for how God uses these miracles. And the one I want to really hone in on today and focus on for our purposes this morning Uh, are that He uses them to confirm a message from God and also a messenger from God as well. In other words, it's almost like a a notary stamp. You know, sometimes you get some important documents and you get them drawn up and they say, oh, that's got to be notarized. Somebody's got to put their official stamp of approval on that document that they witnessed you signing that document. It's got to be notarized. And I think God uses miracles to notarize His messengers and to say, this messenger is from Me. I have sent this messenger with this message to you. And the confirmation, the notary stamp, the notary seal, is the miracles that they perform. And so we see that He uses miracles in this way. And yes, obviously the miracles help many, many people. 
But let's focus for our purposes on how He confirms those messages. God confirmed through Moses that He was giving the Ten Commandments and that He wanted to set the people free from Egypt and from slavery. The ten plagues that were done. Other miracles that God allowed Moses to perform and that helped the people to see that this is a man sent from God with a message of God and we need to respond to him in the right way. Elijah, Elisha, two other men in the Old Testament confirmed through miracles. Of course, Jesus is confirmed through miracles and that's going to be the focus of our series. But I want to just point out quickly one verse in John chapter 3. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says to Jesus in verse 2, the same came to Jesus by night. This is Nicodemus coming to Jesus in John chapter 3, verse 2. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, in other words, teacher, master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest. No man can do the miracles that you are doing except God be with him. Even Nicodemus, this Jewish religious leader, realized that miracles were used by God as a confirmation of His prophets, as a confirmation for someone He sent with a message. And He said, Jesus, I know that You have been sent. And now Jesus and Nicodemus had that wonderful conversation. And at the end of the Gospel of John, you see who is there at the cross to help take Jesus' body off. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. I believe that he realizes Jesus' miracles are a confirmation and Nicodemus is willing to leave uh, everything that he had grown up in, the tradition that he had grown up in, his religious uh, exercises and the life that he knew. I mean, imagine uh, being one of the top. Some people estimate Nicodemus to be in the top three in terms of the religious power that he held in Judaism at his time to walk away from that, that had been your life, that had been your career, that had been everything that you proclaimed and said was so true for so many years, and you're willing to walk away from all of that because you realize that this man is sent from God with this message straight from God. And we see that we have that miracle working God that is the same Savior that we believe in today, Jesus of Nazareth. And... Who is this Jesus? We're going to be studying that. We're going to be looking at that. But God uses these miracles to confirm His messenger. Of course, later on in the New Testament, Peter and Paul are confirmed by miracles. And that's sort of the sense of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 4. That God not only confirmed Jesus, but later on, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, a miracle was performed. And then we see later on the Apostle Paul perform some miracles to confirm that this message is still going forth. This truth didn't stop with Jesus, but it's continuing on for generation after generation. And so that leads us to the last point we want to focus on today and spend a little bit of time here. You know, the three main uh, theistic worldviews, the three main theistic religions, and Simply what that phrase theistic means is that they believe that there is one God. He is the creator of the universe. And the three main theistic religions are Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. 
And all three of those religions believe in miracles. And they believe that God uses miracles to confirm His messenger. And so let's look at these three religions and see who is this one that has been confirmed. If we look at the Jewish Bible, our Old Testament, we see that there are over 100 Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. There are more than that. Some have not yet been fulfilled. But Jesus fulfilled over 100 of those Old Testament Messianic prophecies about who the Messiah would be, who the Christ would be. And just to give you an overview of some of these, in your mind's eye, just imagine a dartboard. Or if you would rather shoot arrows, just an arrow target. I better not talk about darts in church or something. You know, somebody may be gambling afterwards. But uh, so a dartboard or whatever else. You got the bullseye in the middle. Then you know the bigger rings, the bigger rings. Start on the outside, and we'll come into the bullseye in just a minute. But one of these messianic prophecies is given in Genesis chapter three, verse fifteen. Right when Adam and Eve fell, God reached down to humanity and gave hope. He gave grace. He gave a promise that there's coming someone out of the human race, born of woman. Someone is coming that will crush the serpent's head. That was the first of these messianic prophecies. That's the outer ring, the human race. That could be billions of people, couldn't it? have been born since Adam and Eve and alive today. Billions upon billions of people could fit that category. Well, it gets more specific in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. He's going to be born of the tribe of Abraham. But guess what? Judaism, Islam, Christianity, they all point back to Abraham and talk about Abraham as being one of the founders of the faith. That could be, again, millions and millions and billions of people could point to Abraham as their father. It gets more specific. He's coming from the tribe of Judah. Genesis 49, verse 10. And he's going to come through the dynasty of King David. 2 Samuel 7, 12. It's getting more and more specific. As time goes on, how is he going to be born? Isaiah seven fourteen. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth the son. He's going to be born of a virgin, and that gets a lot more specific. I don't know if anybody could raise their hand in here today and say I was born of a virgin, and uh, I won't even give you the opportunity to raise your hand because that would be another big discussion we need to have with you one on one. I'd say, but he is uh, virgin born. Where is the Messiah going to be born? Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Born in Bethlehem of Judea. And even when the wise men come in Matthew chapter 2, they're looking for Jesus. Where is this Messiah, this King of Israel that's supposed to be born? The religious leaders, you know, they knew all the Bible trivia. They said, oh, that's the easy one. He's supposed to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. So the wise men traveled on down there and found it just like they had said. That's where He's going to be born. How many of us were born in Bethlehem of Judea? That's, this is, if you take all these together and you're adding them together, it gets more and more narrow as you go through. And then, I think the bullseye, one of the bullseyes at least, you could add all these together, but in Daniel 9.24, it talks about 483 years until the Messiah will be cut off when the Messiah will die. And Bible scholars have done the math so that we don't have to uh, spend weeks and hours on end trying to crunch all the numbers, but it comes down to the very day. They've calculated to the very day that Jesus died on the cross. They've broken down the years into days and figured it out to the very day that Jesus 
died on the cross. And all of this adds together to say that only Jesus could fulfill all these 100 plus Old Testament prophecies out of the Jewish Old Testament to show that He is the Messiah. There were many people like Nicodemus who called upon Jesus and realized that yes, He is the Messiah of Israel. He is the Promised One. And I pray that many more Jews will realize that as well. I know that there are many Jews who have recognized Jesus as their Messiah. And my prayer is that many, many more will. You know, Judaism has become a works-based religious system. As long as you do this and do that, do it this way, don't do it that way, obey this rule, obey that rule, your good works will get you into heaven, will make you right with God. But the Scripture says, no, it's only through Jesus Christ that we are saved. Only through faith in Him. Our good works will never make us right with God. And so we see the Jewish religion that the Messiah points to Jesus Christ. Well, what about Islam? Uh, Even in the Quran, it says that miracles confirm Jesus Christ. Out of the Quran. Uh, In the Quran, it says Muhammad was not born of a virgin, but that Jesus was born of a virgin. It says that Jesus was the Word or the Spirit of God, but it does not say that about Muhammad. And in the Quran, it says Jesus was a miracle worker, whereas it says that Muhammad did no miracles whatsoever. So in other words, through Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, only Jesus is confirmed by miracles. Therefore, only Jesus is God. And only Christianity is true. I know many people say, man, that is so exclusive. But truth and its very definition is exclusive. And what's the answer to 2 plus 2? Anybody know? 5, somebody said. Is she right? No, okay. So somebody can be right and somebody can be wrong. When it comes to mathematical truth, it's not 5. It's not any number from 5 to infinity. Truth is narrow by its very definition. Is it being narrow-minded to say 2 plus 2 is 4? No, because that's right. That's true. That's where the evidence leads us to believe. 2 plus 2 is 4. It's not 5. It's not 6. And we could go on to infinity and say every other number we want it to be. And I can't make up that truth. I can't go to my bank and say, well, I've got two pennies here, but to me, this is $2,000, so I want you to put 2000 when I hand you these two pennies. Put that in my account. You know, nobody lives in a world like that. Why do we risk our eternal souls on something that is not true? Why do we risk this eternal peril if we're not willing to treat our money that way? We're not willing to play games like that with our medicine. We're not willing to play games like that with our cars and say, well, this seatbelt may work for you, but it doesn't work for me. And, you know, uh, I can use this kind of fuel in my car. I don't have to use gasoline. I can just put whatever I want to in there. I can hook up the water hose and pour it in there. And if I believe that it's gasoline, it's going to get me down the road just like gasoline would. No, do not try that at home. Please do not try that at home. Because you're going to wreck your engine. You're going to destroy your car. And we know that's common sense. And yet when it comes to religion, when it comes to morality, people want to blur the lines. They want to say, well, you know, why can't you just allow for this to be true and that to be true? Is that how truth works? No, it is not. 
And we understand that that's common sense, but our world has been so blinded, as it says in Romans chapter 1 and 2, the God of this world has blinded the minds of so many people that they are willing to exchange the truth of God for a lie. And we worship and serve the creation, the created things, our own selves, more than the Creator King of the universe. He has confirmed time and time again who His messenger is. He has confirmed that Jesus is God. That Jesus is the very God of all creation. He has confirmed that He is the only God. You know, Abraham died and he was buried. Isaac died and he was buried. Jacob died and he was buried. If you want to go and see the grave of Buddha and and his ashes that were scattered, and people argue about where Buddha is even today with his ashes, but he died. And Muhammad, his grave can be visited. But if you go to Israel and you go to Jerusalem and you go to the grave of Jesus, the first thing you notice is that it's empty. He is not in there. Abraham is dead and buried. All these others. Joseph Smith is dead and buried, the founder of Mormonism. But yet Jesus is the one who is alive. He is the one that is confirmed by God that He is the God He claimed to be. Jesus claimed to be God and He proved to be God through the supernatural miracles that He performed, through the supernatural prophecies He fulfilled, and through His supernatural resurrection from the dead. We serve a risen Savior and we are living in the truth and for the truth. In fact, Jesus said in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but through Me. He is the way. He is the truth. And He is the life. We can try all we want to for our good works to outweigh our bad works. And we'll never measure up. But the good news is that Jesus is all that we need. And He proves through His miracles. He shows through His miracles that He is Lord over every realm of life. There was nothing in nature He couldn't overcome. Nothing with health that He couldn't overcome. Even death itself couldn't stop the power of Jesus as He raised multiple people from the dead. He is Lord over every realm of creation. We can trust Him with anything and everything in our lives. And we can trust Him with our eternal souls because He is the way, the truth, and the life. And it's my prayer that if you're here and you have not received Jesus, if you haven't believed in Him, that today would be the day that you call upon Him and you make Him the Lord of your life. If you've already put your faith and trust in Him, maybe you're going through some situation that is just something you cannot handle. Dear friend, look to God. Have faith in Him. There is nothing that He cannot handle. We may not be able to handle it. There are things that overwhelm us, but nothing overwhelms our God. And we can trust Him with anything and with everything. Let's go to Him in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You so much for these powerful truths of how great You are. And Lord, also of how You have confirmed Your message through Your messengers culminating with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Lord, I know that He claimed to be God and He proved it in these ways that I've already mentioned. And I just want to praise You for the day that I saw these truths in my own life and how indebted I am 
to people like Dr. Norman Geisler who uh, taught me so many of these invaluable truths. And I thank you for his memory. I thank you for his scholarship. And I thank you for his uh, legacy that still lives on. Not that he was anything great in and of himself, but that Dr. Geisler just pointed to Jesus. And I thank you for his influence on me and his scholarship that's helped me so greatly in this message and in my own personal life and faith. Lord, I just pray for all of these who are here today that somebody needs to hear this message. I know how the devil fought through live stream, uh, through technical issues, through everything else. No doubt in my mind that people need to hear this message today. And God, I don't know hearts. I can't see into people's minds. But Lord, You know all about us. And You know exactly what someone is struggling through right this second. There may be someone here that's been wrestling with issues of their soul salvation. Lord, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would drive Your Word into their heart. Help them to call upon You as their Savior today. And secondly, for those of us who have already put our faith and trust in Jesus, Lord, I pray that today would strengthen our faith in You, strengthen our confidence in Your truth, and strengthen our faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, You are the God of miracles. And Lord, You are the God who created all things and nothing is greater than You. We can trust You with anything and anyone in any circumstance that is in our life. Lord, I pray that people would find greater faith in Jesus today. In His name we ask and pray these things. Amen and amen. Pastor Brad's going to come and continue the invitation in just a minute. But let's just stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me just simply ask you two questions. If you are here and you do not know that Jesus is your Savior, you've never put your faith and trust in Him, but you would like to do that today, I would just ask you to simply to raise your hand wherever you are. I won't come back to you. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out or anything like that. I simply want to pray for you right where you are right now. Is there anyone that would simply raise their hand and say, yes, that's me. I want to ask Jesus to be my Savior today. Okay. Let me have a prayer for those who may have raised their hands. Heavenly Father, Your Word clearly tells us that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Lord, all that it takes is for us to say, yes, Lord, I know that I have sinned. I know that I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus is the Savior. I believe He died on the cross for my sin, that He was buried and He rose again on the third day. And that You said if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, that He would save me. So I just want to ask Jesus now to be my Savior. Lord, You have promised that if anyone prays a prayer like that from their heart, with a heart of faith, that You will not turn them away. You will say yes to that prayer. You will save them instantly, immediately, and eternally. They will be yours forever. That's promises from Your Word. And Lord, I thank You and I praise You for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. If anyone prayed that prayer here today where you're sitting, please talk to us. Maybe you've got other questions. Maybe this stimulated some questions in your mind things that you want to have a conversation about and get settled. Hey, meet with us this week, today. Don't put it off. 
be glad to sit down and discuss these things with you further. Secondly, let me ask for those of us who are believers. Maybe say, I need to have greater faith in the Lord. There's mountains in front of me. and There's situations that I can't handle. I just need to get a bigger glimpse of how great our God is. If that's your heart today, would you simply just raise your hand? I see several hands going up across the auditorium today. Okay, thank you for raising your hands. I'll raise my hand right there with you. That's a constant battle that I face just to be transparent with you. And I want to have greater faith in our Lord. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray together today. We are Your children. We have put our faith and trust in You. But the battles, the mountains, the hills, man, it just comes at us from all directions. It could be all kinds of issues. Worries and stress. And it could be, I could sit here and name category after category, whether it be finances or health or relationships. Oh, the list just goes on and on and on. Lord, I pray for every single person who raised their hand today. You know exactly what they're faced with. You know exactly what they're dealing with. Lord, I pray for each one of us that You would help us to get a greater vision of who You are. That we would anchor our hope and our faith and our trust in You. Lord, if if my joy is anchored in my circumstances, if my joy is anchored in the people around me, it's going to be up and down like a thermometer, like a yo-yo. And it's going to be here one day and gone the next. But if my joy and my hope is anchored in Jesus, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what the opposition is. It doesn't matter what other people say or how other people treat me. If my hope and my joy and my peace is anchored in Jesus Christ, it doesn't have to change with the circumstances of life, with the problems, with the stress, with the heartache, with the pain. It doesn't mean we won't experience those things, but Lord, help us to anchor ourselves in Jesus Christ and to trust in Him. He is the God who is able. He is the God who is enough. And You are greater than anything that we face. Lord, let us find a greater trust in You. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen and amen. Pastor Brad is going to come and continue the uh, conclusion of the service today. Have, Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. I was, as Josh was preaching, thank you, Josh, for sharing those great truths to us. Remind us how great our God is. Uh, Sometimes we make Him very small, don't we? God forgive us for that. Uh, We make Him, oh, He couldn't do this. You know, man, that's going to take something. Hey, you're breathing His air. Yeah, we're standing on His ground. And He made it. So I want to encourage you this morning, more than ever, say, Lord, that's this, this series of messages is to give me a greater view of Him because He is showing Himself. And folks, He's going to these days. I'm telling you, you and I have that wonderful promise 
Our Lord said in Matthew 24 that these signs, these wonders, the rumors of wars, the earthquakes, uh, and all the different places and the magnitude of them, he said the world's going to see that I'm God, but we're the church. We're his body. Shouldn't we already know that? Shouldn't we already be so full of the fact that he is God? Jesus is God that would swing over hell on a half-rotten rope and shoot the devil with a water pistol because he's God. He is God. And you don't have a worry. He is God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Josh. Father in heaven, have thine own way in our hearts as Deb's playing there, Father. Have your way. Forgive us. I confess my own uh, doubts and ask you to forgive and cleanse me we know that perfect love casts out fears if we have a perfect God which we do we have a perfect person in Jesus who is God then certainly our love can be one of perfection because the object of our love is perfect and fear can fly away and we'll fly away, we'll flee, we'll run. May we have that confidence in our Lord today. Forgive us for our lack of faith. Uh, we know that Hebrews tells us so clearly that he that comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And Father, I was reminded the message this morning that Brother Josh brought was reminded so clearly that you've given us every proof that anyone could ever want that you're the almighty God and yet there are those in our world there's believers that truly don't hold this in their hearts like we should Forgive us, fill us with the sweet Holy Ghost. May we realize our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. We serve the only true and living God, and His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. And we thank you. Bless your people now, Lord. Encourage their hearts, make them stronger. In every way, give them a faith that cannot be shaken. Give them a faith, Father, because in our God who cannot be shaken, it cannot be moved. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I love you, folks. God bless you. Uh, before you leave, get a copy of the bulletin. It's got a history of the church on the back, brief history. You'll want to keep that for sure. And we love you. Thank you for being here. And if you're a part of our, uh, as a visitor here, please go by our visit or visitor's station out there and get you a gift and meet Josh or myself, one or the other. We'll be there. We love you. Thank you for being here. God bless you.